You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the VolQuest podcast where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Well, good Tuesday, everybody, and welcome to the Fall Quest Podcast. I'm Eric Kane with Brent Hubs, Rob Lewis, and Austin Price. Big week coming up, of course, Tennessee. Uh, just days removed from a 44-6 win over Kentucky. And now the showdown begins. Number one, number one uh, Georgia hosting number two, Tennessee. Of course, that's the AP poll. A big week coming up. We got you covered right here on VolQuest.com. Still only $1 for one year. If you haven't joined us, I encourage you to do so. Inviting all Tennessee fans, $1 for one year over at VolQuest.com. And thank you so much for watching us on YouTube as well. If you're watching this video, hit that like button. Let's get it to 500 likes. And if you haven't already, let's go ahead and subscribe to the channel. Guys, big week for Tennessee. But before we get into too much Georgia, let's look back at Kentucky uh, all of us kind of had the the predictions, you know, Tennessee scoring around 40, 45 points or whatnot. Well, let's uh, go ahead, Eric. Jump on in here. Hubs was the, was the sourpuss of the group. He had the least scoring margin. He doesn't believe. Rob Lewis is the only one who believes in the Vols. He had it as a blowout. Go ahead. Continue on here. But, but you you saw it now, so now you believe it, right? <laughs> Some, somebody hit me Somebody hit me up on my way to, to – um, to, to the uh, interview area after the game, and he looked. He was very nice. I don't remember the gentleman's name. He goes, "Dude, man, at, at some point you're going to have to believe in this team. Like, like, like they're good. You do realize that." And I'm like, "I picked them to win." He goes, "Yeah, but but not by much." And I said, "Did you really think they're going to hold Kentucky to six points?" And he kind of smiled and said, "Well, maybe not, but I was never worried about this game. You tried to sell everybody, and you tried to make everybody nervous all week long, and for no reason because they had no chance." And he was right, and I was wrong. Well, they, they, then they then the Vols sure have no chance against the the mighty dogs this week. Then in your mind, Hover. I mean, it's what what fifty to seven, Georgia. What, what you got? Oh no, no, we're not there. I mean, did you really think that that Tim Banks' defense was going to hold Kentucky to six? No, I said that after the game, but I also legitimately thought that Tennessee could win the game like fifty-five to twenty. Like I, I thought they would give up three touchdowns. Yes, I mean, no one, anybody that says they saw that them, that Kentucky was only going to get six points is lying. Period. But I, I think a lot of people saw Tennessee in a runaway. They just thought thought they would score more than they did, and they and they left two or three touchdowns out there. Yeah, Rob. I mean, that's the story, right? It's Tennessee defense. Hendon Hooker looked great. Jalen Hyatt broke a record. Uh, there's a lot to celebrate on the offensive end. But you know, we've seen that. I mean, Tennessee's been a good offensive team. Tennessee is a good offensive team. Tennessee's not the best defensive team, but on Saturday night against a guy that you love and Will Levis, Tennessee was Football really good. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> Hey, the surprising part was what they did, you know, in the secondary. Because I mean, they going into that, I mean, they had given up just some enormous numbers. I mean, and not just to Bryce Young, which is understandable, but Anthony Richardson has a career day that, that he'll never sniff again against an SEC team. Jaden Daniels, three hundred yards. You know, admittedly, those those teams were playing from behind a lot of the day, so they were throwing a lot. But still, for them to come up with three interceptions from you know on a a day when they were banged up in the secondary, didn't have everybody available. 
held Levis to 98 yards passing, 205 total offensive yards for, for Kentucky. I, I was really impressed with the defense. I mean, and like you just said, I mean, the offense, I mean, they could have come as close to 60 as they did 40. I mean, they get two turnovers where they start on Kentucky's end of the field, don't get any points out of it. Um, so I, I was really impressed with the defense. And I'm not trying to make Kentucky into some offensive juggernaut. They're not. But, I mean, Tennessee took them out of any and everything that they wanted to do in, in that game. Hey, look, let's, look. The real MVP Saturday, Rob Lewis, who started his day in Frisco, Texas, and ended it in the friendly confines of the Neyland Stadium. <laughs> I was trying to help him out after the game by writing a story post game, but he's still got his two stories out there too. I mean, there's not a harder worker in all the industry than Rob well, Lewis. I, I would not go that far, but you know, you got to suck it up when you're covering the number two team in the country. <laughs> uh, you know, AP, something Brett and I spoke on on the on the Rocky Top Rewind, um, and, and there's no wrong answer here. My biggest takeaway defensively was that secondary, um, but up front, I mean, it, it, it's all tied together. Deshaun Terry, Amari Thomas, Byron Young. I mean, they. They played a really, really good game, really good in eliminating the, the run outside of that one drive for Chris Rodriguez, who was a bit banged up, but really was a non-factor in the game. Yeah, yeah, Tennessee did a phenomenal job. They've done a phenomenal job all year stopping the run. Top 10 nationally. Uh, they take a lot of pride in it. Rodney's got that rotation <clears throat> playing really, really well. They're playing great complimentary football. Doesn't matter who he rotates in, Garland, Easton, Terry, Oh, Omari Thomas, by the way, credit, I don't know who in UT, whether it's Sports Info or, or who, Creative, whoever it was that did the the put it in reverse Terry tweet. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I didn't see that at first. And then when I was like, wait a minute, I'm like, that is the most creative thing I've read in a while. Like that was so, so good. And the responses to it were even better with the gifts. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. The defensive line just continues to just play at an extremely high level. And you have to be impressed by just kind of, you know, different – again, they the whole team, man, just different guys stepping up all the time, but specifically that D lineman, DJ Terry, um, you know, stepping up, having a really nice game against Kentucky. And, and Tennessee will need all those guys to be really good Saturday against Georgia. At the end of the day, you know Georgia wants to do one, uh, two things. They want to run the football and they want to work the ball to the tight ends. And, uh, you know, if Tennessee can kind of neutralize the uh, the tight ends, then that'd be great. You know, Rob, it's interesting. I think you had this in your 3-2-1, and I think I made reference to it as well and, and maybe my 10 things. When you look at this team, that the the most impressive part is the, the continued growth of individuals. And that just speaks to a, a, a well-coached, developed football team from a fundamental standpoint. It's kind of a new – feels like there's a kind of a new guy every week or two that seems to show up. I'm offensively, it's been the emergence and the growth of a Princeton fan in this offense. And then defensively, it's kind of been some new guys here and there along the way, which speaks to the volumes of, of the kids' commitments to work, but also speaks to the volumes of what this coaching staff's doing right now. Yeah, I mean, there, there's been no more maligned unit on this team. And maybe, you know, in the, in the SEC, the Tennessee secondary, and, you know, they're down two starters, and they, they – two guys – Danico Slaughter's playing at quarter, which he's never done before in a game. Has a great game, makes a great interception. Brandon Turnage has been in and out of the lineup, can't get any traction. Great game, you know, interception. And offensively, we're talking about guys getting better, but, I mean, guys that we thought were going to be good, like Jalen Hyatt and, and Darnell Wright, have been great. I mean, you, you've had some guys, you know, come up from, from out of nowhere to make plays, but then guys who were just, you know, you thought that they would be, be a piece of the puzzle, be contributors – have exceeded, you know, any but but the wildest expectations. And yeah, you, I mean, you can just point 
to all kinds of spots on the field, like that guy's better, that guy's better, that guy's better. I mean, you talked about DJ Terry. We talked about Amari Thomas, Jalen Wright, Ramel Keaton. I mean, they're just you can just go on and on down the list. And like you say, but it's a credit to the to the players, but also to you know the way that they they get coached and the way they're willing to be coached. You know, I think something too. You know, Tennessee that was that was a fantastic game defensively. Of course, um, I don't think anybody, like we said, expected to give up 205 total yards of offense. That's what Tennessee gave up to Kentucky in that football game in six points. So a job well done there. The challenge is going to be much greater this week, of course. But offensively, I felt like at points in times, pretty much almost the entire game, outside of a few drives where Tennessee really kind of hurt itself, could do whatever it wanted to, Brent. I mean, Tennessee, Josh Heupel and Alex Golish, they continue to work those matchups. They find what they want. You said it earlier uh, on the Rockets Out Rewind that tandems has been used since the 1800s in football, but now you know you can't figure out how to stop with Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman out there. I mean, he was wide open, and he had a big game, and now the single-season touchdown reception leader with 14 in Tennessee uh, program history, and there's a couple games left. Yeah, I mean, obviously they've, they've found some things. This slot receiver in this offense, I think, is always going to be highly productive, particularly if they can run. They've got a chance to put up big, big numbers, and we're seeing Jalen Hyatt. To, to me, the, 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 lost, the lost thing about this offense is evolution from year one to year two is, is not the growth of Hendon Hooker, although he's gotten a lot better. It's not Jalen Hyatt, who I thought at one point might transfer last year. It's what this offensive front's doing, and it's their ability to run the ball from the offensive, through, the, through the running backs, but because of the offensive line. I'm going to beat this stat just because I looked it up and I like it, but you know Tennessee doesn't run for 100 yards against Pittsburgh averages a little over two yards a carry. Then they get into SEC play, and it's 4.99 yards a carry. Rob, that changes how you how teams can play Tennessee's offense because now you're having to make choices. If Tennessee can run the football with any kind of effectiveness against Georgia, which they couldn't do a year ago, it changes how Kirby Smart has to play Tennessee offensively. Because they've been able to run the ball, Nick Saban and these other defenses can't do what they want to do uh, by just you know handling the run game with four guys up front or five guys up front. that To me, that's been the biggest part of why this offense is that an explosive factor we haven't seen them at to this point. Yeah, and I mean, they put up some offensive numbers. I mean, some ru- some rushing yards last year too, Hubbard. But, I th- you know, a lot of that was they just absolutely victimized Missouri and, you know, victimized South Carolina. I mean, this year they're they're doing it against against good defenses. I mean, Kentucky, Alabama, LSU, all all pretty good run defenses. In fact, Alabama was number one in the conference when, when Tennessee played them. And Tennessee is is not just run the ball effectively. I mean, they've they've run it really well. I mean, 180 yards plus against Alabama, almost five yards a carry. It's going to be that kind of challenge this week against Georgia. But um, you know, we talk about it all the time. Without you know, the passing game, sexy. It's 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 so fun to talk about Hooker to Hyatt and all the numbers they're putting up. But if defenses aren't having to play Tennessee honest which they are because of the way they're able to run the football, then, you know, the passing game gets gets much, much harder. And in SEC play, Tennessee's converting 49% on third down in, in SEC against SEC defenses. And that's that that's a big fat number. And um and that's, you know, we as we say, when when you start piling up first downs, converting third like that, then that's when the tempo really starts to wear on people. And it gave the tempo gave Kentucky some problems the other night. Yeah, no doubt. And and Austin, I think, too, I mean, it, 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 Darnell Wright, deservingly, is getting a ton of praise. He plays really well. I think there's something to Cooper Mays being in the lineup 
each and every week. Remember, you know, he, he missed, what, three games last year, four games, kind of nursed yeah. that ankle all season long. They're, a, they're at a different pace. They seem to be at a, a better cohesion, uh, less missed and bust assignments because he's at the center position. I think that's probably another some, something about this team that's not been discussed a whole lot about this offensive line. No, you're exactly right. And, you know, I mean, Jerome Carvin is just so steady at guard. Spragans has been really good at guard. Um, you know, Darnell just is playing his way into a first-round draft pick. And, so, I mean, when you think about it, all that – there was a lot of angst going into that LSU game, right? You know, once you found out, like, the night before that, you know, Mincy's not playing, J.J. Crawford's going to get his – this is going to be his game. You know, uh, a lot of angst. And J.J. Crawford has come in and done really, really well. I mean, he, he is really good in run blocking. He's going to continue to get better in pass blocking. I think that's part of the reason Tennessee's able to run the ball pretty effectively, too, is, you know, you go back, you know, start with LSU. I mean, he's been a, a key part, you know, of a lot of those SEC games uh, at that left tackle spot, and that's where he's comfortable as far as, like, being able to, to run block. So, you know, Cooper kind of starts everything at that center position. His health this year has proved to be huge, as you just pointed out. But I, I think it's just kind of kept everybody, instead of moving people around and you kind of get a little bit weaker at every spot, you're really just kind of strong everywhere. And that's why this offensive line has held up so well. Um, but, you know, Cooper, you know, has done a really, really, really good job. He's smart, um, you know, and, and he understands the offense. And, 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 and again, he's got that Mace toughness as well. And because of that good play from Cooper Mays in that offensive line, Hendon Hooker had a Hendon Hooker football game, four total touchdowns, completed 76% of his passes against the Kentucky defense. Uh, that was top 10, top 15 scoring in total defense in the country, 245. And I like, Brent, what they did with the wide receivers. Went after Cedric Tillman, who made his, who made his comeback, got him involved active early, didn't play him a snap in the second half. Jalen Hyatt did Jalen Hyatt things, but – Brew McCoy led the team in targets. They they continued to try to get Brew McCoy involved as much as they possibly could. Um, I, I liked what I saw from spreading the wealth and kind of their game plan and how to manage Cedric Tillman in that receiving game against Kentucky, knowing that you're going to need him against Georgia. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I thought it was important to get him active early, get him a couple of catches early and, and, and get him going. It's kind of like bringing a running back back, you know, get him get tackled, you know, let him get lathered up a little bit and get settled in. I, I thought that was smart. Here's the crazy thing to me, though, when, when you, you mentioned Hendon Hooker completed 76% of his throws, he, he missed he missed Brew McCoy over the middle on a slant about eight feet over his head, um, and he was open. And then there was one in the dirt, Rob, that was in that was open. So it, a 76% completion percentage, you know, a couple more touchdown throws, three more touchdown throws, but you're like, yeah, you know, Hendon left some stuff left some stuff out there which is crazy to think where this Tennessee offense and where Hendon Hooker is right now well and I'll tell you what else is crazy to think is like the stuff I mean there's one or two of those every game and I think the reason they're so noticeable is that there are examples of where guys are just wide open you know I mean it wouldn't look like man he really missed that one if there was if there had been a defender within five yards of the guy and, and we talked about it all the time but you know, how, you know, scheming people open and, you know, what Hypel does with this offense. But to, for it still to still be happening eight games into the season, you know, Jalen Hyatt just gets completely naked <laughs> on the first drive of the game. You know, you know, it, it, Nick Saban, Mark Stoops, I mean, it, they sound like they're reading for the same script. Well, you know, they didn't do anything we didn't, we didn't practice or they didn't do anything that surprised us. But 
apparently the players are still getting surprised with eight games, you know, with eight games to look at on tape. And I, I think that's a tribute to the staff. And, you know, I, I don't know what all kind of little tweaks and, and, and they're doing to, to change things up, but you know, that defensive backs are getting hammered on what, you know, here's the stat. Here's what they're going to do. Here's what you got to, you know, and it just keeps working and keeps working. It keeps working every week. Yeah, I'm sure they didn't practice having an outside linebacker running with Jalen Hyde down the sideline. That's that, that, that is because there was a, a miss a misassignment. How, how I imagine that, how I imagine it is, hey, it's, they're, they're, the kids feel like they're still going through a walkthrough. Uh, I mean, when, when the when the linebacker got matched up with him on that first bust, I mean, like, did you, you know, he just quit. Like he didn't even like. There was no attempt to run. It's like, right, let's go right to the sideline. I mean, like, I mean, like, there's. I mean, like, it's almost what it feels like. It's like, hey, guys, we're going to walk through what they're going to do here. They're walking through, and Tennessee's actually really running the play. <laughs> yeah. Like he like he was trying to pass it off, but no one was over there, obviously, because the safety bit uh, with, with Tillman there. The, the challenge now is going to get a whole lot steeper. Georgia, number one, reigning national champions and all that. We can talk resumes and strength of schedule and ranked wins and all that. That's a conversation maybe for later today and throughout this week. But Georgia's a good football team. And when you look at that defense that lost, what was it, Rob, five first-round draft picks a season ago, something like that? And seven, seven starters overall. Yeah. Uh, it, it, they lost some power defensively. Still a good defense. But that offense is pretty pretty dynamic in what it can do, especially at the tight end position with All-American Brock Bowers. Josh Heupel asked about Brock Bowers and the challenge for the defense in Monday's press conference. Here's what Josh Heupel had to say on that. Yeah, um, that, that matchup changes, you know, because of where they position him. They do a great job of, of moving him around. You have to identify him and all the different formations that you're going to get from them. Uh, you got to have great eye discipline, too, um, because of the play-action pass and uh, their ability um, to uniquely get those guys, him in particular, into, uh, into situations where they create grass for him. Um, you got to be able to handle the run game, too. Uh, all those things play off of that. So line of scrimmage will be uh, vitally important in this, but you got to know where he's at all night long. Brock Bowers, he is second on the team in receptions with 31. He leads the team with 547 yards uh, through the air. He scored three touchdowns. Uh, he's also a football player, three rushing attempts, three touchdowns, 82 yards. Brock Bowers is going to be a challenge for Tennessee's linebackers and uh, secondary Brent Hubs are going to have to be on him. Well, I think it's going to be interesting to see what Tennessee does schematically. You know, how do they how do they do it? Are they going to bracket him? Do they do they isolate? You know, do they play a Danico Slaughter on him? Is it Tamarian McDonald? Um, you know, how, how do they adjust it? I, I think that's a real interesting matchup in this game because George is going to try to get him matched up in a bunch of different ways and do some things with him. But when he lines up out wide or split out from um, you know from the line of scrimmage. Um, what do they what do they do you know how, how does that matchup look and, and how do they play in the secondary I think Tim Banks and Willie Martinez you know had some interesting decisions to make in the secondary to try to get that matchup to where it's a winnable matchup or a matchup that they can hold their own against and, and what that looks like is going to be unique to see on Saturday the other question is what's Georgia do to counter that right I mean if you put him in and you motion him out how does that change things uh, so, so some real cat and mouse, I think, but between Coach Monk and the offensive coordinator for Georgia and Tennessee's defensive coordinator, Tim Banks. Yeah, I think so, too. It'll be interesting to see. And if it's not Brock Bowers, uh, not as explosive, of course, you know, their, their best player hadn't played in a while. And 
uh, Donnie Mitchell, but at the wide receiver position, not as explosive. Their second leading receiver is actually, you know, they're starting running back and, and Kenny McIntosh. So they throw to the backs, they throw to the tight ends. They got two tight ends. Of course, Darnell Washington, the other one. Uh, it's going to be interesting, Austin, to see kind of how you counter. But, uh, you know, what, what makes the whole thing go as well, and this is another thing we're going to hear from Josh Heupel here, is quarterback in Stetson Bennett, uh, undervalued, underrated. And maybe the biggest part of his game that's underrated is his ability to extend plays and move with his feet. Here's Josh Heupel. Yeah, uh, confidence, you know, from just the, you know, the first time they got on the field to who he is now, complete confidence, command in, uh, in what they're doing offensively. <clears throat> he's got great playmakers around him, does a great job of distributing the ball. Uh, I think he's undervalued in some respects with his feet. Um, he's explosive, he's twitchy. Uh, when it's not right in the pocket, he, ex he extends plays. Uh, that can be him throwing uh, on scrambles, but also him taking, uh, you know, tucking the ball and, and making plays. He made a couple against us last year that changed the game. Um, you got to do a great job of bottling him up. It's the same story, Austin, with Stetson Bennett. He doesn't look great uh, from the eye test. On paper, sometimes it doesn't look that great, but he is good enough to make you pay, and he made Tennessee pay a couple times last year. Yeah, and <clears throat> I think that's the key in this football game. We're going to talk all week about scoring points for Tennessee defensively it's simply you know when you get to Stetson Bennett you've got to get him down like he he's he's sneaky he's sneaky athletic he he eludes and avoids and he's not he's not Bryce Young right but he's more mobile you know than Will Levis was so Tennessee's got to do a better job of, of wrapping up not allowing him to kind of duck his head and slip out the backside because he can make you pay and he does a nice job of keeping his eyes up the field when he does get out of the pocket and break contain. So you just can't assume he's always going to run either. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that's a, a, something you really have to watch if you're Tennessee this week is, you know, when you get back there and you get pressure on Stetson Bennett, you need to figure out a way to get him on the ground. Yeah, what, Rob, what is it about Setson Bennett? I mean, because you know, Tennessee's already played against Anthony Richardson. Tennessee's played against Bryce Young. Tennessee played against Jaden Daniels. Tennessee played against football Jesus and Will Levis. Setson Bennett doesn't scare you, but but again, he's he's scared a lot of opposing defenses, and he's capable of doing it. He's got over twenty three hundred yards on the season already, nine touchdowns, three interceptions. That's not that great of a ratio already, but completing passes at sixty seven percent. What about Setson Bennett's? Is what Tennessee needs to worry about. Man, he's he's just a tough little son of a gun, and I'll be first to admit I was I was wrong. I spent all last year skeptical, semi making fun of him, thinking Georgia couldn't you know couldn't beat Alabama, certainly couldn't win at all with Stetson Bennett at quarterback, and and he he earned my respect, and and maybe or maybe not cost me a couple of bucks with, with the way he played uh, against Alabama with everything on the line. So I I'm. I'm I'm done doubting Stetson Bennett. I mean, I, I think the kid is legit. I and mean, he's probably – he's not an NFL prospect, but he is a very solid college quarterback. He's, and he's actually averaging more yards passing than Hendon Hooker this year, believe it or not. I mean, only one yard, but still. Uh, just – and to me, what Tennessee does against Bennett and Georgia's offense is the key because I, I think Tennessee's going to score. I mean, Georgia may slow Tennessee down, but to me, <clears throat> slow down means Tennessee scores in the 30s. Um, I just – Georgia's offense, I mean, they average over 300 yards a game passing, 200 yards a game rushing. Tennessee's got it. I mean, they, they've got to find a way to to keep Georgia from getting 40-plus. 40, 40 and if they do that, I, I think Tennessee can win the game. 
Hey, hey Hubbard, did, did he just say, I'm done doubting Stetson Bennett, and then in the next sentence say, he's not a pro prospect? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, not, that's, not, that's not mutually exclusive. Yeah, no, I, I mean, not at no, all. I, I, yeah, I, I think here's the thing about Stetson Bennett, and, and I think this is what probably was lost in all of the, you know, the fact that he's not on draft boards and the fact that he doesn't have every measurable that you have. And coaches talk about this all the time. You're looking for this in recruiting. It, it, it's the competitive character. The guy's competitive as hell, okay? I mean, and you talk about, to me, what separates um, a Will Levis from Stetson Bennett, it's talent around him. But Stetson Bennett's, to me, more competitive than, than a Will Levis is. And, and I think it's Stetson Bennett's competitiveness that stems from the fact that he was doubted. You know, he's been doubted from the get-go. He thrives off the fact that, that he's been doubted. Uh, and, and I think he's a terrific competitor. And, and I think that's why Stetson Bennett, is still standing where he's standing at the, as the starting quarterback when everybody will tell you he's not the most talented, he's not the most gifted quarterback in Georgia's quarterback room, but he is their quarterback because of his competitiveness, and everybody recognizes that on the team and rallies around it. That's why Kirby Smart likes it. The, the guy's a winner. Simple, simple fact of the matter. That's what he is. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. A little bit over defensively for Georgia. You get Jalen Carter back, who played 20 snaps in the uh, the cocktail party, primarily used on third downs, a little bit of pass rushing situations. He'll probably get more snaps, but working his way back from injury. Get Jalen Carter back in the interior of the defensive line, but Austin potentially not going to have Nolan Smith. And when I say potentially, I mean, it looks like probably doubtful is how it was phrased on Monday. What a huge loss, losing your biggest pass rusher off that edge for Georgia. Yeah, and, and that's, a big, that's a big win for Tennessee because I do think Tennessee um, – <clears throat> You know, because Nolan Smith, someone Tennessee would really have to account for on every play. You know, they've had success against Will Anderson, B.J. Ojolari, but Nolan Smith is right there in that same type of, you know, cover that same cloth, really, really good coming off the edge. And if he if he can't go, it's not like that they're going to plug in some walk-on. They'll just roll out some other four- or five-star defensive end. They're just not as polished as Nolan Smith is. Nolan could have went pro, didn't think that his draft prospects were high as high as he could be, so he decided to come back. Smart kid, loves college experience. And so, you know, I don't know if he's done for the year or not. You know, talking about like a, a pectoral issue, you know, but if it is, I mean, you know, he had a really good career down there. But, uh, you know, really, you know, I think that's a big uh, big win for Tennessee if, you know, if he's not able to go Saturday. And, again, Jalen Carter really, really good. Um, but, uh, you know, I think if you said, hey, Georgia's going to be without one or the other. I think, you know, if you're Tennessee, you'd rather it be Nolan Smith. And Jalen Carter, again, really, really good. Yeah, I mean, Nolan Smith, he, he leads the team in TFLs with seven, with sacks with three. 
uh, Brent's favorites stat out there. First of all, we got to decide, is it is it quarterback pressures or quarterback hurries? Whichever it is, he has 16 of those on the season. He's a good player, Brent, and uh, George is going to miss him. Yeah, I'd like to see how many of those hurries were listed by the home scorekeeper at home games versus what's going on on the, on the road because you get that stat book and on the road. I, I think Tennessee had two pressures against LSU on the road outside of their sacks. Uh, which we all know. So I think that stat's a, a bit misleading, but he is a, he is a good player. Uh, and he's allowed the, Georgia to be able to not have to blitz a bunch of people all the time because he's been able to get home as a part of their just regular uh, base defense rush package. So I, I think that's a, a, a big factor there uh, for, for Tennessee. I think that's a positive. Um, and again, you know, I just think this is a heavyweight fight. You know, you can sit here and you can pick this, that, or the other, it's going to be in the line of scrimmage is where it starts. Can Tennessee run the football to have some balance? Can they keep Hendon Hooker upright? And on the flip side of things, can Tennessee not allow Georgia to run for 200 yards and, and, and get Georgia into some long yarded situations and maybe get after Stetson Bennett? I, I think it's the line of scrimmage, Austin. I, I agree. I, I think this game comes down. And I don't know if you, you guys will agree with me here. I think it comes down to Tennessee's offensive line's ability to not get silly false starts because of the noise. And, and you know, you go back to Saturday, when, when did Tennessee struggle offensively? When they had holding penalties, holding penalties by offensive linemen, holding penalties by receivers, false starts, anything like that, that pl- where they got playing behind the sticks and they were playing it, you know, second and 25 or third and 15 or any of that stuff. Like, if they can avoid those, I think Rob's right. Tennessee's going to score points. It's just don't shoot yourself in the foot. Don't don't have self-inflicted wounds. And I think that goes back to, to, you know, Georgia's, you know, defensive pressure and how much does the offensive line just kind of hold up pre-snap. You know, I think once the snap happens, I think they'll be okay, but not getting silly penalties that potentially put you playing behind the sticks. Yeah, I think, but, that's, I think that's a really good point, Rob, when you look. I mean, no offense to the fine folks at Pittsburgh, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name of the former Heinz Field, that exactly was not exactly a rocking crowd. You didn't have to worry about, you know, crowd noise in that deal. And, and Baton Rouge at noon, that 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 crowd was sleepwalking, and then they fell back asleep after the fumble on the kickoff, and Tennessee jumped on them. So this is really Tennessee's first venture into what I would consider a hostile environment, and this will be as hostile as it gets. I mean, Tennessee's only, I think, two thousand tickets is something like that. That's what Tennessee. Fans bought, bought up in, in the preseason for this game, so there's not going to be a lot of orange in the stands. How Tennessee handles the road environment, really the first time in the road environment, is something to keep an eye on early in this game, Rob. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think they'll be rattled. But being rattled is not the same as, you know, just not being able to hear the snap count and, and jumping on sides. I mean, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think they're going to be intimidated or, or anything like that, but there's just some, you know, laws of physics where – you know, the, the crowd is, is, is going to impact the game. And I think AP makes a great point. I mean, you go back to that second drive against Kentucky the other day, if, if Tennessee doesn't botch that with three penalties and three snaps, I mean, yeah. I feel they'd probably go up 14 nothing. You know, it didn't matter, you know, but but if, 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 if it could matter Saturday, though, it could matter Saturday if you if you score on drive one and then drive two, when you have a chance to build some momentum, you get, you know, two, two, you know, avoidable penalties. So I, I think the crowd will be a factor, but not from the sense that Tennessee is going to, you know, be, be shaking in their boots, just from the fact that you, your communication is going to have to really be on point. 
Last thing I want to hit on here, and Rob, I want to direct it to you because I already got the thoughts of Brent and Austin on the Rocky Top Rewind, but you know, feel free to jump back in. First time ever we're having this conversation since the college football playoffs have been a thing. Rankings, the first installment comes out tonight at 7 o'clock. Where do you believe Tennessee will be ranked, uh, and uh, do you think it'll be uh, the, the the right spot for Tennessee? I, I guess think, saying if you think it's they should be ranked number one, but they won't be, kind of show your work. I think they will be ranked number two. I think they should be ranked number one, and and that's just, I mean, and Georgia might be better. I mean, I'm not saying they're not, but if you're just doing it on the, on the body of work, I mean, Tennessee's wins are better. The win over Alabama is the best win anybody has this season. Um, they've beaten four of the ranked teams, two solid SEC teams, Kentucky and LSU. They actually ran them off the field. And um, outside of, you know, the little hiccup at Pittsburgh, it's – they have played you know, borderline brilliantly. I mean, Alabama was a close game, but that was always going to be. So I, I would rate Tennessee one. I think they'll probably be two. And I, I, I would bet it's Georgia, Tennessee, Ohio State, and Clemson. And I don't think Clemson is one of the top four at all, but they'll be there, I, I would bet. We'll see what happens. That comes out tonight at 7 o'clock. And, of course, regardless of where Tennessee's ranked, you can settle it on the field at 3.30 between the hedges in Athens against Georgia. That's coming up on Saturday. We're going to talk about it all week long, break down the individual matchups, bring you the best coverage out there for Tennessee at Georgia. It's going to be number one versus number two. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. You can catch up with all of our work and stay dialed in for Tennessee, Georgia over at ballquest.com. Deal's going on right now. Won't be going on for much longer, but it's $1 for one year. So get it while it's hot. Again, that's $1 for one year. And thank you so much for watching us on YouTube as well. If you're watching, please subscribe if you haven't already and hit that like button. Let's get this video up to 500 likes here for the VolQuest podcast. For Brent Hubs, Rob Lewis, Austin Price, I am Eric Kane. We'll be back on Thursday for the mailbag edition of this podcast. Until then, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.